Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode number 19. I'm Jill McCormick. I'm Robin Wall, and you are listening to Afraid Not. And Jill, did you say 19? 19! Wow, I'm excited about that. (laughs) Today's guest is Melissa Mingle, and she is a lifetime friend of mine. I've known her since I was an infant. Um, She's going to talk about uh, going through cancer. She's a wife and a mom and works for a publishing company. And her story today is a reminder of how much we need to abide in Christ. Just like John 15, 5, which says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So Melissa's story, she shares her passion about abiding in Christ and trusting him in the good times and the bad times. So listen in to Afraid Not. Hi, Melissa. Thanks so much for coming. Hi. Thanks for having me. We're really thankful that you made the time and effort to be here on our show, and we're excited to hear your story tonight. Thank you, guys. So why don't you, I mean, I know your story, but why don't you give us a little peek into your life and and, um, your family and what all that looks like? Okay. Uh, My name is Melissa Mingle. I've been married to my dream man for 25 years. We have two kids. Thank you. Uh, We have a daughter that turns 21 at the end of this month and a son that is 17. He's uh, going into his senior year in high school. And uh, we have done ministry. We kind of did things a little backwards. We started out in ministry and then uh, went, my husband went to seminary. We were at Golden Gate for a few years and then God led us into the business world and led us to leave uh, where he was to kind of just say goodbye to everything and, and take a leap of faith. So it's been an interesting journey that one I wouldn't trade for anything. Um, I'm trained as a teacher uh, but I currently work for a couple of companies. I am uh, work for a publisher now, which fits into my language arts, foreign language background. And I work for a company based in Montreal also that's a non-toxic gel polish. So, uh, What was that, a non-toxic? Gel polish oh, wow. that's kind of quick drying. And, um, that's How interesting. Just fun people and something I kind of fell into, and I definitely didn't need extra stuff to do. I just enjoyed the community, and, and we get to take fun trips. So uh, that's kind of where we are now. But cool. And, and Mark does? Mark works for the same publisher, too. Uh, at the end of 2016, uh, God had been leading us for a while to leave the place where he was. I wasn't working. I'd been homeschooling our kids, um, not not working and getting paid for it. And we just kind of jumped out in faith without another job to go to and did all kinds of things, worked on rental properties, drove for Uber, um, and landed in publishing, which is what he'd been in before. But God really blessed that decision to, to follow him in obedience. Wow. That's really amazing. So, um, so your mom, uh, yes, two kids, yes, and you have a ministry. Um, tell us a little bit about like how you and Mark met in that first few years. We met 
as college students at the University of Oklahoma, uh, Mark is my trophy husband. He's a couple of years younger, so I already <laughs> knew his sister. We were friends, and when I was a junior, he he was a freshman, and I thought, wow, Carrie's younger brother's good looking, but he's too young for me. So we were friends for a couple of years, and um, then God kind of brought us together. We started dating. And after we got married, we spent six years in that campus ministry where we'd met. So that was really fun until God kind of moved us on to new things and uh, kind of a lot of fun memories and history in that that ministry. Is Um, that at the BSU mm -hmm, at OU? mm -hmm. I've heard such great things about that ministry at the University of Oklahoma. Yeah, it's it's a really great ministry. Max Barnett um, did our wedding, married us, and he still goes to our church. He's retired, but he's 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 retired from working full time, but he's not retired from ministry, and so he still prays for our family, and and we get to see him at church so that was a really neat time to learn when we were still young and had we thought we knew some things I wish you guys would have asked me to speak when I was newly married or a new mom because I knew everything then I did I could have readily told anybody what they were doing wrong parenting <laughs> and why their kids <laughs> We're misbehaving, and every day since then has just kind of been a reminder that um, that apart from Christ, I can do nothing, and I can't take any confidence in my own flesh. So it's been a good journey, but yeah, definitely something that I learned. But um, that was the kind of a neat start for us in our marriage, kind of that we had that history, that that's where we met. And so a little history with me and Melissa. Like, we grew up together since uh, since we were six 1971. Yeah, yeah, since I was born. That's so probably, special. How in the fun. nursery at, at Portland Avenue Baptist Church. I was a year old, and you were six months old uh-huh. when our parents met right. and became Aww. friends. Yeah. And then uh, our kids are six months apart, too. Isn't that weird? Each, that our daughters cool. and our, our sons. Each. Are both six months apart. Wow. I love <laughs> it. Who knew? Oklahoma City, Portland Avenue Baptist Church, great things were beginning. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So, and we went to high school together, and then um, I went to OU for a little while, but mostly uh, we weren't in college together, but um, yeah, just grew up together. I love how life brings friendships back around. It's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. I think that's the Lord that does that, actually. Yeah, it was good. So, okay, so after college, and then... Did you go straight to seminary or um, after you taught for a while? I taught when we first got married before we had kids. I taught in public school for about three years. Um, easy Spanish. I Spanish and French are my languages. I was certified to teach, but I'm not fluent in either one. Instead of I kind of halfway know two languages. Um, and those have kind of been on the back burner for a long time. But I did that for three years. And then before we had children, I God just put it on my heart to be an at-home mom. You know, there are a lot of ways to um, that God leads people, and that was the way he led us, and that was actually what I wanted to do. Um, homeschool that came later was not something that I was dying to do. My prayer for that was like, 
okay, God, if you're going to make me homeschool, just help me to not hate it. But uh, <laughs> but as far as my kids being younger and being an at-home mom, I, I really enjoyed that. So um, we had our first child in 1998. That's while Mark was at the BSU. And then we had our second child. We found out in spring of 2001 that we were going to have another baby, and we were thrilled and very excited about that. And 2001 was a really interesting year with a lot of changes. Uh, We found out, well, about that time we found out we were having another baby. Um, Mark and I both started feeling like God was maybe leading us somewhere else in ministry, and that was kind of hard to think about branching out with a toddler and I was pregnant, you know, with a newborn baby or while pregnant moving. Um, but we just started praying and saying, okay, God, you know, whatever you have for us, we can, we can trust you with it. And we started feeling like God was leading us to, uh, for Mark to go to Golden Gate Seminary in San Francisco in the Bay Area. And we were excited about that. We knew people would think we were a little crazy when there were seminaries readily available closer to Oklahoma. So we just prayed and we didn't tell anybody what we were praying for a while. And finally, just after several affirmations, kind of shared that to mixed reviews and opinions (laughs) about it. (laughs) And um, we were really excited about that. Um, 2001, also in September, was September 11th, the year that 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 happened. Mm -hmm. And so... um, you know, I was watching Sesame Street with my three-year-old daughter and seven months pregnant with our son, and a friend of mine called and said, have you seen the news? And I said, you know, we're watching Sesame Street. So um, I saw what happened. Of course, it was uh, horrible and, and shocking, and I thought, oh, my goodness, I can't imagine not being able to protect my children from something like that. I'm so glad we're safe in our home and and where I can keep my babies safe. But little did I know we had one more surprise coming before the end of the year. Um, Our baby was due November 2nd, and he came right on his due date. But um, when he was about five or six weeks old, we found out I had stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So at the time I'm watching... All of these things on the news, I don't know that my baby that I think is safe is actually in danger um, because of my own health. And I'm thankful that we didn't have to worry and make difficult decisions. He was born healthy and safe, and it was about five or six weeks after that before we found out that we had to deal with my health, but um, it was a crazy year. So obviously our plans to move to California got put on hold, and we started a journey of about six months of chemotherapy and um, all kinds of issues to deal with. Um, My initial response was definitely one of fear. I had, I mentioned homeschool earlier when my oldest was about two, God started putting it on my heart that I should at least pray and be willing. And that was a hard step even to be willing to homeschool. And at that point, I thought, oh my gosh, I wish that was the only thing I had to worry about. Now I'm fighting for my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I God, mm-hmm. why did you have me go through this? Um, to make these decisions for my kids if I'm not even going to be here to raise them. You know, I thought, 
how much do I remember from before the age of three? My daughter was three, you know, if I don't make it. And Ryan's a newborn baby. He's Mm -hmm. not going to remember me at all. So um, we had a lot of friends and family from church come and help us and clean our house and make meals for us. And I remember before... We knew my exact diagnosis. We knew I had cancer. I kind of went back in the in my bedroom and prayed and just cried my eyes out. And I thought, okay, you know, at church we sing, blessed be your name. Do I really mean that? Do I really trust God, not just with a flat tire, but it might be your will for Mark to raise our kids alone or without me for my kids to not know me. And do I really trust you in anything? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just sat there and cried and I thought about it because I wasn't sure I could say that I, that I thought God was good if that was his plan. Mm-hmm. And I kind of felt a little bit in John 6 uh, when Jesus asked the disciples, are you leaving too? And Peter says, to whom else would we go? I kind of, you know, when I thought back over all that God had done in my life, um, in the good and the bad, I'm like, God, where else would I go? Um, I'm going to trust you. I don't like this. If it was a relationship, you know, I need to ask someone's forgiveness. I could sweep it under the rug and deal with it later. But I have got stage four cancer with a three-year-old and a baby and a husband. We haven't been married that long. I can't avoid it. So it's easy to say on this side of it, but as as much as I felt like I was able to, I I tried to say, God, I'm going to trust you. And whatever happens, I pray that you'd be glorified. I, I hope it will be through my healing. And I have to share that I know some wonderful people that love the Lord very much that have had cancer. And for whatever reason, God brought them home sooner then he brought me home, um, and he allowed my healing. So our prayers were definitely not more spiritual. There was nothing. Um, I was very fearful. My husband was very angry. I mean, we definitely mm-hmm. had our flesh patterns to deal with. But um, So take us back to how that's, like, when you found out that you had cancer. Um, so I have to go back and think about, uh, I had had... Right after my son was born, it was November when he was born, and it was getting a little cold outside, and I had a cough. Mm -hmm. And um, if I pressed in on my throat, that little part where your throat dents in, I could kind of feel a little bit of a hard spot, but I just chalked it up to pregnancy hormones. I just had a baby. Who knows? It's cold weather. And I kept kind of blowing it off. And fortunately, my husband wouldn't let me forget about it, and kind of twisted my arm to go to the doctor. And um, after a series, I ended up with an ear, nose, and throat doctor, and he was concerned right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that startled me. My husband had offered to go to the doctor with me, and I said, no, I'm Did fine. Did you have kind of a cough with it, too? Yeah, I had a cough that was kind of persistent, but I, you know, again, mm-hmm. I thought it was the time of year, whatever. Um, so Mark had offered to go to the doctor with me and I said, uh, no, I'm fine. You just stay here with the kids and I'll go. And so the ENT was concerned right away and he wanted to get me in the next day. 
for an MRI. And I asked him what he thought it might be, and he mentioned the options, and he did mention lymphoma. And um, that kind of scared me to death. We did have a cell phone, but it wasn't like cell phones now. We, like, shared one cell Mm -hmm. phone, and I could have called the landline, but I was so shell-shocked when I left I didn't even call Mark. So I started to to pull out of the parking lot um, from the doctor's office. And to get to our house, I could have turned either left or right. There were kind of a couple of different paths. Usually it was easier to turn right to get home. And I thought, but the traffic cleared where I could go left, and that was a bit quicker. So I thought, okay, I'm kind of a, a zombie driving home. And when I got by campus... There was a car that had a scripture on it, and it was Zephaniah 317. And at this point, I'm 31, and I had been memorizing verses since, you know, Bible school as a kid. But I thought, Zephaniah 317, what is that? I I can't think what that is. And so I I kind of put it out of my mind, went home, told Mark uh, that the doctor was concerned. And Mark was already concerned, so that Mm -hmm. did not help. So, you know, we hugged. We probably cried. I don't even remember. Uh, And after a little bit of time, I thought, what was that scripture? And you couldn't just Google it on your phone. I looked it up in the Bible, and and it's very familiar to me now. But at that time, it wasn't a familiar verse. But it says, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you but will rejoice over you with singing. And I really wanted to be careful. At this point, we didn't know if I had cancer or not. We knew it was likely, but I wanted to be very careful to not twist scripture and take it out of context to Mm -hmm. try to make it mean what I wanted it to mean. Mm -hmm. But I felt like God was telling me that it was within his power and I could trust him, whatever happened. Um, So... Uh, we got started, you know, biopsy surgery, went through about three weeks of knowing I had cancer, but not knowing what type yet. It was over the holidays. It was about a week before Christmas when we found out I had Christ- uh, first Christmas with our new baby too. But um, when we found out I had cancer, so it took about three weeks for pathology before we could actually go to an oncologist and do something about it. So that was definitely a time when I have talk about afraid, not I mean, just like mm-hmm. not just relying on God's mercies daily, but moment by moment, mm-hmm. it was hard to eat. It was hard to do anything else, but I had these two amazing people that, you know, needed Mark and I to take care of them and to be focused. So that and was, they were so little, they little. couldn't know anything of what you were going through. They were too little to know. Right. right? My daughter, I don't think ever really, the way we explained it to her at the time was that mommy was sick. It was like she had some rocks inside of her and I had to take medicine that would make my hair fall out. And the day that I had to, uh, you do chemo and it takes about two weeks before your hair starts falling out. So they kind of recommend you go get your head shaved. And so the day I was going to go get my head shaved because it was starting to, you know, mm-hmm. come out on my yeah. pillow, uh, Brick had this little 
pink blanket from Jimbery with ballerinas on it, and she gave it to me and said, "Here, Aww. take take my blanket with you." Um, oh, sweet. For and then when we moved to San Francisco, we accidentally left it in a hotel in Bakersfield. So I'm Aww. so sad I don't have that blanket. But um, but yeah, it's hard to explain. My son, in a way, with a baby, it's almost easier that yeah. they have no idea. No idea. But mm-hmm. with a small child, they they know something's going on. So, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't want to lie, but we wanted to not scare her either. So that was right. kind of tough right. figuring out how to explain it to her. Yeah. How many chemo treatments did you have? Do you remember? Um, they told us that it would take six to eight to get rid of all of them. After six treatments, we were hoping I would be done, but I had one tumor that was touching a lung and there was still scar tissue. Um, So they went ahead and did all eight. So it was January to July of 2002, and Jill and I went and celebrated (laughs) in July of 2002 and stayed in a hotel. Where'd we go? Dallas or something? I think so, yeah. But, um, yeah, it was was a relief to be done, but then it was a new fear of we've been actively getting rid of this. What if it comes right back? So, um, So I've definitely had a continual need to rely on God with um, just day by day. Um, And I've had lingering anxiety, actual clinical, physiological Mm -hmm. anxiety that kind of came about um, that just prayer and exercise and water like I it was actually a, a spiritual mentor that said you know there there's a physical component you may need some medical help with this mm-hmm. and so that's absolutely been true. something ongoing and um you know my doctor has me on prescription vitamin d right now it gets better for a while and then it flares and so I try to do as much naturally as I can but I have done uh, medication to keep things in balance too, and it's something you always want to be cautious with, but but prayerfully consider all the options. And this wasn't anything that ran in your family or anything that they have any idea? No, lymphoma's not like breast cancer. It's completely random, and, you know, we've wondered, is it, you know, my dad was in Vietnam. Was he exposed to Agent Orange or, you know... It, we, you know, we don't know. It's one of those mm-hmm. things. We live in a fallen world. And um, so I do try to uh, make healthy choices since then and do as much that is in my control and just trust God with what's in his control. And once life gets more comfortable and you're not as scared anymore, it can be tempting to, you know, get more lazy and comfortable about healthy habits. And so, again, there's always that need to rely on God daily, moment by moment, for for big things and little things. That's so true. I hope that what Melissa has just now shared is so encouraging to all of you that are listening today just to know that, Every big and every little thing that you are facing in your life, that you can trust God. That that's what our hope that we would we could convey to all of you out there that you can trust God with everything you're going through, and we hope that it's not a, a really big dark time. But if it is, you can trust Him in the midst of it, just like Melissa did. So when you realized at the end of your eighth chemo, and they said, we think we got it all. How did you feel? 
Well, we were definitely, we definitely celebrated. We have learned to celebrate every little victory. I sometimes just tear up if it's a sunny day and you hear a bird singing. I'm just like, thank you, God, that I'm here for this, that I've been in the lives of my kids and right. they know me. <clears throat> so, of course, we felt that way then, but I, but I still had that c- cautious, <laughs> like, okay, it could come back. I still, this is still a faith journey. But um, one thing we used to say after going through that was uh, – our definition of a good and a bad day changed drastically. Like a, sure. a, a flat tire is not a bad day or, or small things like that. They're frustrating and not to minimize uh, frustrations. But I think I also had this naive, okay, now that God's brought us through this, we're just done. Yeah, I you kind of owe me a smooth sailing. And... <laughs> In the time since, that was 02, when I finished chemo, uh, we did go ahead and we delayed our plans to go to San Francisco about six months, one semester, but we kind of prayed about it and thought, okay, how long do you sit around waiting to get cancer again? And Mm -hmm. if God's Mm -hmm. leading you to go, go. And so that was a great time in our life. It was a real oasis even though we were tight on money, it was a great time. We have so many friends that are still some of our very closest friends from that time. But um, I think I thought, well, nothing will ever be harder than this. And we have gone through just other heartbreaks where you have to rely on God. Dementia uh, in our family with people, um, depression, anxiety, um, relationship problems, uh, huge job problems, Mm -hmm. financial problems, Mm -hmm. all kinds of issues where we still had to rely on God. And we were thankful to be healthy and together, but we weren't always healthy within our small family relationships. We weren't always healthy within our our home. And um, there's always that need to go back to God and abide in him and realize apart from him, I can do nothing. I can't do cancer. I can't be a good parent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't be a good wife. I can't be a good friend. Uh, I can't provide for my family apart from him um, in a sustainable way. So that's something God has definitely given us a new outlook on life, and it does change the way we look at everything. But um, but there's always that need to go back to him day by day, moment by moment. So. It's good, but it's a tough reminder. And I feel like the Israelites sometimes, like, didn't we learn this already? (laughs) But no, you know, God still has to teach me. So, yeah. anyway. And our lives are kind of like, we we can look back to the scripture that tells us when you face trials of many kinds, not if if (laughs) we face trials of many kinds, that we know, like in the book of James, when we face trials of many kinds, that God is using those things in our lives for his good purposes. He's mm-hmm. developing character and perseverance and hope in us. And and then we get on the other side of it and we can glimpse it a little bit mm-hmm. and appreciate it maybe a little bit of, mm-hmm. I, I learned this. I wouldn't trade learning it, but it was not easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 
So it's been about 17 years in remission? Yes. My son is 17. He was a newborn. So um, every birthday he has, it's kind of a, a double celebration mm-hmm. of that's how long uh, since I've had cancer. So, And okay. nothing since? No, I never had any recurrences, and I don't go for checkup. After about 10 years, I didn't have to go for checkups anymore, um, specifically for lymphoma. I mean, I do, and I do encourage women to do all those checkups. I know you're busy, but um, Mm -hmm. all those medical preventative uh, checkups that you can do, definitely do those. What would you say to somebody that might just have found out or be scared that they might have cancer? Um, well, I have, I have two responses for, there's going to be a smaller majority of people that have the diagnosis than, than those that know of someone and people can be very unkind in what they share. Um, nobody wants to hear a, a discouraging story if they just found out they have cancer and you'd be surprised at church and everywhere else, the stories people will tell you. So be considerate. Uh, if you know of someone that did not survive cancer, that's not a story that someone really wants right, to hear right, that, that if they out. just found mm-hmm. out and their journey is going to be unique. But for someone that finds out uh, something like that, I would say just be honest with God, be honest about being angry, about being sad, about being disappointed, um, and just take it to God. If you read the Psalms, that's exactly what David does. He starts off kind of sharing how he feels, if he's angry, if he's frustrated, if he feels like God is uh, treating unbelievers, people that don't have Mm -hmm. faith in him better. But he always comes back to a place after he speaks out loud and is honest with God of coming back to what scripture truly says and what God's true character is. So reading Psalms were helpful. I wouldn't camp out there. I would still live life like you would live it. I would do everything within your power nutrition-wise and health. I personally don't... uh, I had someone tell me, uh, chemotherapy is very toxic to your body. And it's like, well, so is stage four cancer. And God, <laughs> if God didn't give you a special word to tell me not to do chemo, I think that's kind of dangerous to right. give people advice that is not something that God really put on their heart. But, um, but be honest with God, go to the scriptures, um, find support. It helps if you can find somebody, uh, a family or a person that's had a similar experience. And now it's so much easier than mm-hmm. it was in 2002 to connect with people, um, just a friend of a friend or whatever. But um, but stay grounded in scripture. And, uh, you know, again, I just felt like where else would I go? God has right. shown me too much of his truth, too much of his goodness for me to not trust him and it's hard and it's scary but um this isn't the time to reject him I guess mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah. but it yeah. does anyway and if somebody has a friend or family member going through cancer what would you recommend for them what should they do 
Okay, a lot of times people will say, let me know if I can do anything for you. And I think they really mean it. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, I wasn't going to call people up and say, I don't feel like making dinner tonight. Can you bring us a meal? Or will you come clean my bathroom? I can't stand the smell right. of chemicals right now. So I had a friend that was kind of a point person for me, mm-hmm. and we went to church together, and our husbands worked together at the Baptist Student Union. They were in ministry together. So anybody that said they wanted to do something to help, she would collect names and mm-hmm. emails, phone numbers, and kind of make a list. And she would contact me if we needed something, if we needed babysitting for Mark to go. And we worked with college students, so we had no shortage of, of babysitters. <laughs> but, um, but I didn't have to put people on the spot and make them feel bad saying right. I can't do it today to the cancer lady. <laughs> My friend Nancy could call them and find somebody that could babysit. She could plan meals for us and uh, take care of all of that. So if you have someone that you're close to kind of being a point person Mm -hmm. and organizing a meal train or asking them, uh, also just as a friend is say, rather than let me know if you need anything, saying, can I bring you a meal? Mm -hmm. Can I clean your house when you're at a doctor visit? Can I do this? Suggesting things to them that you want to do to help. Because sometimes people say it, but you don't know if they really mean it or really want it. Or what they want to do. What level they right. want to have. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. so that would be my advice. Was it hard for you to accept all the help? Did it feel like, oh, I don't really feel comfortable? Or were you good at saying, I am grateful for the help. Please help. <laughs> That's a good question. We, um, at that point in life, were raising support for a living. So our whole life was being humble enough to be like, okay, God has called us to this ministry. We have about Mm -hmm. a fourth of a salary. Um, And because my friend organized it, I knew the people that were helping really wanted to help and they weren't put on the spot. So for me, no, but I know it can be hard for people. And sometimes people are awkward about you wanting to help what you think may be a blessing to them isn't. So that's another case where maybe suggesting what you could do to help or, or having a point person helps, I guess. But so you have that point person that you can say, I kind of need my house cleaned or I kind of need, can you find somebody, usually a close friend, a best friend, somebody that's in the same Mm -hmm. circle of friends is good, but those are really, really great. Right. Yeah. It makes me think of, a time that I missed a chance of receiving help when I needed it. And I I would like to just add this in here that just like Melissa shared, that she and her husband were humble enough to receive it, that they were in that position of saying, yes, Lord, we need help. So that attitude was she could be blessed with the help. And there's a, a time I missed that, that um, I was in a situation that I needed some help, but I didn't want to admit it. And it was so, so, so long ago, but, and my husband and I were in a a church and his first full-time youth ministry job and the doorbell rang one day and I had, I was recovering from a really bad car wreck and there was a sweet family, a mom and daughter from our youth group and they were standing there with their mop buckets and their cleaning gloves and their things and they said, we're here to clean your bathrooms for you. And I am so sad to tell you that I 
turned them away. I said, oh, you don't need to do that. Oh, you don't need to come in. I'm, I'm fine, and you don't have to do that for me. They were standing there with beaming smiles. They were so excited to do this. They had been, they drove over. They already were standing there with their Windex in hand. <laughs> and I missed that. I, I robbed that blessing from them. And so I wish I could go back to that day and say to that young 22-year-old me, absolutely let them come in and admit mm-hmm. that you are sore and stiff and you need some help. Yeah. So uh, a, a little tiny addition to these great tips that Melissa just shared is that if you have struggled with accepting help, if it's hard for you to admit, Mm -hmm. yes, I need Mm -hmm. help, it's actually robbing a blessing from someone that's standing there with their Windex. (laughs) Let them (laughs) in the door. And they want to come and help. So hopefully you can hear this and be encouraged that nothing's wrong with you to let someone help you. But God is blessing you through the love and help of your friends. Mm -hmm. So receive it. That's good. So tell us what's going on now. What, what does life look like now? I have, uh, well, my daughter's in college, and um, I think I mentioned my son has one more year of high school, and we have not homeschooled in three years now. So um, I have been rekindling my love of foreign language learning or trying to. I mentioned I wasn't fluent in either language, but our church does mission trips to both Guatemala regularly mm-hmm. and Haiti. Haiti's gotten a little bit more difficult, and they don't speak French, but there's kind of a Haitian Creole that's got some French similarities. Uh, so I've been kind of interested in... in working on my language skills for that. I work for two companies that I love. I work, I'm a project manager for a publisher uh, called Trilogy Publishing. And that is something I just fell into, total blessing from God. It plays into all the the things he's given me a love of. I can work remotely. We can travel, which we love. Um, and my husband, Uh, works for this publisher, too. And then I mentioned the uh, company, Gel Moment, that's based out of Montreal. And we have gotten to take a couple of cruises and some trips with some really wonderful people. And since I have had cancer, anything that's non-toxic that can help people be healthier um, and just get to talk to people and get to know them. Jill can attest, I was so shy as a kid. And... (laughs) I am turning into my dad. My husband says I'm getting folksy, but I love to Mm. chat with the waiter and the waitress and meet strangers. We went on our Mm -hmm. anniversary trip and I'm, you know, every musician playing, I'm giving them a tip and (laughs) chatting with them about their music (laughs) and stuff. So we just love to travel and... You weren't uh, as shy in high school, just elementary school. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Anyway, um, so that's what we do. We At our church, we've started working with the youth group in the past year. When um, we were first asked to do that, I was like, eh, I, I don't know about youth. And I have loved it. I had seventh and eighth grade girls. They are so lovely and... Um, it has been a really good experience and, you know, they giggle and all that. And we just, 
and laugh and keep going. But uh, <laughs> but that has been an unexpected blessing. One of those things I thought, okay, okay, Mark wants to do this. Um, but I've loved it. And so we're going to do that again next year. But um, we just love the freedom of this time in life that we can kind of take our laptop and and work from anywhere. Uh, we have a big desire because we have been in ministry ourselves. I know Robin is a, a pastor's wife. Mm-hmm. And God put on our heart of actually back in seminary that we would want to do it someday to do ministry to ministers because wow. it is very thankless. The people, people in ministry don't do it for the things, but it can be heartbreaking. You know a lot of hard uh, things about families, private information mm-hmm. that you can't share, that you can't even share with your spouse. Often they sacrifice financially. It's hard on the children being right. under a, a microscope. Um, there's so many facets to ministry. It's a wonderful calling, but the enemy is definitely going to try to attack people in that uh, arena. And so we have been in more paid ministry positions before. And with all these seminary friends that we're close to, we've kind of seen it all. So at this point, we've kind of been rebuilding for two and a half years from our stepping out in faith. He was vice president of a company mm-hmm. left without a job to go to. So we're kind of getting back on our feet to, um, pay the bills, but we start where we can. We um, will, you know, the the people on staff at our church write a just an encouragement note, a thank you note for mm-hmm. how they've ministered to our family. We brought City Bites in for a, for a staff meeting. We actually have not as actively been doing things lately, so it's a good reminder to me when we kind of get it back into the day in, day out. But we would like to build the ministry enough to... Um, you know, pay for music lessons for kids of people in ministry, just whatever God would lead us to do just anything, time away as a family, families mm-hmm. that can't afford a vacation mm-hmm. but need that respite from ministry. We just want to grow it as big as, as God will let us. Mm-hmm. I love your generous heart. <laughs> it's such a beautiful plan. I, Jill, would you mind talking about what God put on your heart <laughs> that you... I mean, it's very like-minded with Melissa, and I'm a benefactor. Okay. I mean, I'm not. Is this something you I mean, haven't yeah. told I've me? Well, received the, I don't know. Um, okay. The blessing of well, it. yeah. Was it like last year that I we think started it's been it? A year. Um, me and my friend Jennifer. She had been a, a minister's wife, and I've I'm friends with a lot of ministers' wives. So we both were kind of seeing this whole of these ministers' wives. That who is who, that? I felt like, do, do you know that you're seen because you're seen? But mm-hmm. we didn't know if they knew that they were seen or if they had a safe place where they could go and just be yourself and just be and mm-hmm. and not have to like take care of everybody else at church. Uh-huh. So we definitely we try to meet once a quarter or so and just um, for a safe place for them to say, here's what's on my heart, here's what I'm dealing with, or just have a good time. Mm-hmm. And hang out, and it's just meant so much to have a support. It really group. has. It's meant so. the world to me. So I'm very grateful. Very. That's really cool. And I don't think we talked about that. So that's really neat. But yeah, <laughs> just being able to be a real person. You know, the people kind of put people in ministry on a pedestal, and it is a high calling. But 
Um, just being able to share mm-hmm. frustrations, honestly, or people asking you, you know, we asked our pastor, what can we pray for you? And I, I don't know that people ask that much. Right. They come and tell you, can you pray for me? Cause your prayers are special. <laughs> Robin, will you pray for right. me? Cause you're extra special. Uh, but, um, you have a different line of communication than the rest of oh, us. Oh goodness. <laughs> but people don't always come and ask their church staff, what can I pray for you? What can I pray right. for your family? Right. Um, so, but I think that's a good reminder that we do need to recognize our, our ministers and our ministers' wives and families that they're doing a hard job. Mm-hmm. Well, like Melissa said, we have a very real enemy. One of his tactics is to take out the leaders. Right. Because mm-hmm. if the enemy can take out the leaders, he can take out a lot of people who have leaned on those leaders and learned from them and have looked up to them, and domino effect of hurt can happen. So our enemy is roaring like a lion and Mm -hmm. seeking who he may devour. And so, yes, absolutely, we need to, we need, I mean, I need my spiritual armor on every day. And, Mm -hmm. and yes, for, for us to be aware of this and to pray for our leaders and to pray that God protects all of us, that we, we depend on him. So tell us what you're loving or or resources that you could give for our listeners. Yes, absolutely. I actually a recent resource that a book I have thoroughly enjoyed. Um, I got to hear uh, Lisa Turker speak at a women's retreat in April, but she has a book called "It's Not Supposed to Be This Way." You yeah. were at that same conference. We were there. It was fabulous. Uh, but I there's and I love the book. So many things, and I've had something. Uh, more recently that is would be a whole separate show but um more for, I would do chemo over and over again to not have gone through this other struggle but um a friend recommended this book to me at a very perfect time before I knew she was going to be speaking at this retreat mm-hmm. that I was going to so it was very god ordained but it is a very good book. She's had some incredible things happen since she wrote the book and healing her marriage and um, it, anything that you're dealing with. We all we live in a fallen world and we're all going to deal with things that we think, okay, God, this was not my plan. This isn't what I thought life was going to be like. And just a couple of praise songs I love. At the time I was going through chemo, um, Blessed Be Your Name by Matt Redman was popular. And even after that time, I still get a little teary-eyed, but I used to be just tears streaming down my face because I had sung it before, just singing the words thinking, that's nice, but, but really being confronted with, do I... Am I really blessing your name no matter what? And I love the song Blessings by Laura Story. We always, mm. if somebody asks you, what's a blessing in your life? We would share about God providing financially or being healed of cancer. But we don't always say this really hard relationship that had me crying on the floor of my closet time and time again. I don't, I don't think of that as a blessing. But God has done so much um, through those those tears, those hard mm-hmm. times. So I love that song. I feel like it's very scriptural. But um, those are some of my my favorite resources. I hope our listeners will check those out. Those are really great 
ways for us to find some hope and healing and encouragement like you like you did so we're just so thankful that you were willing to come and share your heart with us and share your story with us and encourage the listeners who are tuning in so we're just really grateful for you thank you guys for having me thanks melissa thanks (laughs) so we just want to thank melissa again for coming um Again, the verse in John 6 is John 6, 67, which sa- 6, 67 through 68, which says, Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the word of eternal life. So, again, there's nowhere else to go to, but to Jesus. That's right. And something that I love that Melissa shared was from the praise song by Matt Redman that is saying in the chorus, he gives and takes away. He gives and takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That we can praise the Lord at all times, no matter what is happening, and that actually that surrender is a beautiful place to be. I just want to thank Melissa for her great example and for encouraging us all to follow the Lord like she has. So please remember to um, subscribe, and if you rate and review, this also helps boost our our support and for other people to be able to find the podcast thanks again bye